Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff Sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe again. It just seems like uh, we've done this before, Tom. It does, doesn't it? Tom Dorian, my sidekick, wingman. Yes, sir. Good to have you here. Present. Former Thank you. offensive line, lineman for the, the Memphis Tigers. Yeah. Back in the day, the glory times, days. Good times. So, good deal. Uh, Tom, you know, we got have another fun show today. You know what? And I bet this guy that we're going to have on can do a better intro than what we've got. <laughs> exactly right. I'm just thinking Cause that. Because he's, he's been down this road before. He's a lot better than us. Yeah. Plus, he's got that, that he's a ute. He is a Ute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little, little. My cousin Vinny reference. Uh, he's a young, he's a young man to us. But, he's probably uh, young enough to not even remember. But that he's movie. very mature in the spirit. So this yeah. is kind of going to be an interesting conversation. Right. And of course, we're talking about Jimmy Mitchell. Yes. Uh, and Jimmy, uh, welcome to the luxurious corner booth. By the way, thank you, Deacon Jeff. It's great to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Now you you uh, you've you've like been around the Catholic world for a while now, but you only look like you're like 13 years old. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. I guess I've heard it said that good, clean living keeps you looking young. Maybe there that's you what you the shouldn't Lord's brag, doing. though. The Lord also <laughs> says, "Don't brag." <laughs> But you know you, and you know what you know what I like, and we've had some we've had some really good guests here, and sometimes I'm looking across and I see them, and uh, there's some great you see like this that happy smile, Tom. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Remember yeah, we had man. the Sisters of Joy on here. Yeah, he's got that look. You're right. Oh man, just telling you, like so he's got great the joy. So call. I can already tell. That was a great call. I, you know, I can already tell. That's a thing, Sisters of Joy. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Wow. Have you not of, met them? No. They are the bomb. Yeah, <laughs> they are the best. Well, you know, but there's also like the Sisters of Life. There's this, all these different uh, wonderful uh, folks that just are like they're on fire, you know. Yeah. And it's not that kind of like screaming, running out of the building on fire, right? You know, <laughs> no. that's a bad way to be on fire. And a lot of us have been in that situation, right? But then there's that sort of like I got to do something. I I yeah. I love Jesus, and now I need to do something about that, yeah. you know. And that's uh, and that you got that look, Jimmy. He does so, have that look. But you've been doing a lot of stuff. You're you're involved in a lot of different things. Uh, and we uh, we have like you're, you're sitting in this luxurious corner booth because you're involved in um, a thing called a glory conference, uh, and so that's one thing we could talk about. We talk about a lot of different stuff, but tell me real quick what a glory conference is. Sure, we, we started this in Nashville about five years ago, so that's where I'm from, Nashville, Tennessee, which is of course the heart of country music. Uh, you we, don't look we, like country. I know. Well, I got boots yesterday. All right, I actually had them on yesterday. You're going to so. blend right in. That's right. That's right. We like to claim that we're the home of Jack Daniels, but that's about an hour, hour and a half away. That's right. And thank uh, goodness we're Catholic again because Jack Daniels is not a sinner. He's a saint, right? Because he loved Angelo. <laughs> Remember Angelo Lucchese? Oh, Angelo Lucchese. He had his own no, Jack he, Daniels he bottle. He was the JD, man. We digress. Yes. so funny. Yeah, we digress. That was I my love, fault. I love Nashville. And the church there is strong. It's small, but it's growing. The culture there is really thriving. It's a largely Christian culture. And so... When I showed up there 12 years ago as a freshman at Vanderbilt, I was always somewhat intrigued by this cross-section of art and faith in modern culture. Mm. And so the thought was, well, let's bring together young Catholics from across the Southeast to do a four-day conference that has this sort of intellectual horsepower combined with a a spiritual depth, uh, as well as a a hunger for community, um, and just blow open the doors and really mm. give people a, a taste of heaven. I mean, that, that really is what we're hoping to do with this conference. So it's, it's a way of bringing in great artists, both visual painters as well as uh, recording artists, singers, songwriters, uh, and 
at the same time, bringing in incredible professors from Catholic universities across the country uh, to really provide a deep encounter with the Lord and his love and his truth and in his beauty uh, for young adults who are really craving something um, more. Even if they've grown up in youth ministry, they want something more now. You know what's so cool? You're talking about young adults, and there's such an opportunity in our church. And I know the people listening right now are going, yeah, in our church too. Every every parish is, kind of struggles with what to do with the young adults, right? Mm-hmm. There's we got all the kids covered. we got all the sacramental prep. We've got all the, all the, all the, uh, all the way up, you know, real, really through high school. But then we kind of we lose them for a little while. And sometimes mm. we, we lose them. Mm, we do. Right? And, and you talk about this spiritual depth and stuff. And a lot of people think, well, you know, we really don't want to get – we don't want to get deep. We, we want to we stay with, like, the, the social aspect just to kind of keep them around. But I guess you've probably seen – because my anecdotal experience is that – that those people they want depth. That's right. They're tired of the sort of wishy washy moral relativism. Everything's okay. It'll all work itself out. They really want something to hang their hat on, don't they? They do. And I think this whole thing is really built around the idea that beauty speaks for itself, and that beauty is inseparable from the fullness of truth. And so our hope at this conference is to give people an encounter with the beauty of God's love, and to pack that with such. Uh, a fullness of the truth proclaimed in the liturgies, proclaimed in the talks, proclaimed even in the music, that they walk out of here with months, I mean months, of fruits that they can continue to unpack in their lives and really into eternity. You know? Yeah, you say that word beauty, and that's, that is, uh, and you're quite beautiful, by the way. Look that at him. Is, is he not something? He is, man. <laughs> no, but all, all kidding aside, uh, this whole idea of beauty, Tom, you, Tom is, Jimmy, you'd be impressed with this. Tom is coming to the RCIA program. He's Catholic, <laughs> but we did a whole show on, like, why are you coming to RCIA and how cool it is that he wants mm. to go back and just reinvest himself. To essentially relearn, even though he knows it, it's like to hear it all again and fresh. And the second, uh, the second class we do, we talk about creation and really finding God in beauty, like mm. the, the mountain range, the the the, the beautiful sunset. And that essentially, if God is is all holy, all good, uh, and he's the he's the creator of all, then his his fingerprints are everywhere. And so when we see beauty, we're essentially seeing him, right? Right. So you're talking about beauty in in these glory conferences, but what do you mean by beauty? What? How, how do they experience the beauty? Yeah, it's a great question. So the papal preacher at the moment, Father Cantalamesa, right. he says that the beautiful is that which has been touched by the presence of God. He goes on to say that God is not the only one covered in beauty, but that evil imitates that beauty right. and makes it profoundly ambiguous. And so we're living in a world that celebrates this aesthetic of beauty. Uh, but oftentimes divorced from the truth that actually goes alongside it, which right. is why what the world offers doesn't satisfy. It's why we're constantly going from one trend to the next, and it's why uh, ultimately sin, of course, makes us so miserable right. uh, and leaves us empty. So the beauty that we're trying to bring forth at these conferences is actually the beauty of our Lord's love pouring forth from the cross, awesome. uh, which is you know countercultural and actually counterintuitive and not at all what people would expect, and yet... This is what the church needs to be doing. The, the new evangelization is not coming into lands where people haven't heard the gospel. Right. It's coming into lands where people have rejected the gospel. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like then for the church to come in with this posture of, well, we're just here to suffer with you. And then suddenly conversion happens again and Amazing. again and again. You know, you, know, you said uh, that, that Satan you know, or, or evil or bad stuff comes to us, you know, in the disguise of beauty. Right. Right. And it just always brings me back to that sort of theological thing. Every once in a while we get theological on the show. And I, I, I love the fact that knowing that 
Lucifer's name. Mm. I mean, means. I mean, he's, uh, it means he, he, he's uh, he comes as light, a bringer of light. Mm. And it's like, but it's not really light, right? Right. So he he's the, the 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 father of lies. And so in this world, we see all these things, and and we get hashtags like love is love and things where you want to believe, like that's really love, or 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 whatever the issue is, you want to see this as a good thing, and you but you don't, and it's disguised as a good thing, which leaves you empty. Do you do you deal a lot with the the young folks that are kind of like trying to make their way in the world, kind of figure out what's true and what's not, what's real and what's not, what's beautiful and what's not. Absolutely. And again, I think that's why doctrine is, in fact, so important. I mean, to, to deny doctrine is to reject the love of God. You know, so yeah. this, this weekend, for example, at our conference, we're, we're going through, we're journeying through salvation history from creation to Pentecost. We often talk about the fall of man and then our redemption in Christ, but we forget that we were actually made in the image and likeness of God, which means we're made in glory yeah. and that we're in fact destined for that same glory one day in heaven. Uh, it's a little bit of a different framework that you, would have been... You mean we're not dung covered by snow? Is that what you're mm. saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, so it's funny because being in Nashville, uh, some of my closest friends, the first couple of years at Vanderbilt were evangelical Christians. Right. Uh, they were well, quite, God love them, right? Absolutely. They're fired and they, up. They taught me how to love the Lord and to love souls and to love scripture. Uh, but most of them thought I was going to hell because I was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And this idea of being good, in fact, very good, uh, but still wounded, severely wounded by the fall. Sure. Um, it's not the same as being totally depraved. Mm-hmm. You know, that in fact, uh, grace uh, perfects nature. I think that idea in and of itself is, is sort of revolutionary in today's world because most Christians are rejecting nature or, of course, most of the world is just completely rejecting grace and as catholics we can stand in the middle and do something that that actually could make sense to everybody involved well it didn't i mean doesn't the incarnation speak directly to grace perfecting nature the fact that god would take on flesh he would Mm. humble himself so much so and if our sin is so of our skin our body our flesh is is so decrepit and so Mm. broken and so uh so hideous Mm. right in his sight why would you take it on? That's exactly right. Yeah, G.K. Chesterton calls the incarnation the staggering doctrine of Christianity. He calls it the great divine jest that God would dare take on human flesh and dwell among us. But in fact, that very truth elevates all of creation. It elevates everything in the natural order and, and makes it a veil behind which we can now see the glory of God. So that's what an artist does. When an artist paints something beautiful, writes or sings something beautiful, they're peeling back the veil for the rest of us to see divine beauty, which is, by the way, St. Thomas Aquinas' definition of glory, divine beauty. You are, by the way, you're risking something here. You're, you're in dangerous territory because when you become smarter than the host, Tom, is this not a problem? <laughs> He's like throwing down all these quotes from these great church fathers. Uh, He's Tom, schooling Tom, me right now. <laughs> he He's is schooling, schooling me. me. But I love being schooled. <laughs> You've you got to be open and vulnerable and always be willing, right? Yeah. Always be just like, well, what, do I, what do you have for me today, Lord? Yeah. Well, we got a great, uh, a great guest in uh, Jimmy Mitchell. Uh, and so th- this idea of... Uh, Grace perfecting nature. It's it's hard for kids because, uh, or I say I, I say kids because I'm 54. So I'm looking at anybody younger than me as a kid, mm. and I don't mean to demean people and, uh, and 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 act like they don't know what they're doing. But it's a really tough time to be in that. Um, I don't know. The, the, the culture is very unfriendly mm. to the, as you say, the doctrines, but the teachings of the church and how God wants us to live. Right into that true sense of beauty. Mm. It's so hard to be in that age, and there's so many people kind of stuck there, trying to figure things out. Uh, and so, I mean, the answer is it as easy as like looking at a sunset, or is is there more? What? How do you start that process of figuring out 
how do I how do I start to recognize God and beauty and and what you're talking about? Yeah, it's a brilliant question, and I think Thank it's going to look. I like when he says that. Good, I like that. Good. <laughs> it's going to look different in each of our lives because not all of us, for example, are singer songwriters, uh, but all of us are called to allow God to make something beautiful out of our lives. And, and actually, that usually begins with the brokenness. It begins with the yeah. suffering. So the answer is different, but we have to journey with people intentionally and personally right. so that we can help them even see what that beauty and what that brokenness uh, can be. Oh, and know? the beauty of redemptive suffering, the idea that your suffering, don't sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't exist. We don't want, we don't want to forget the suffering. We don't want to live in it. You, you, you want to live in the resurrection, and the resurrection came through suffering. Mm. Right, and so so that's a powerful statement, and it kind of helps people know that they're not alone, yeah. that we're walking with them. Uh, that's a powerful thing, but also not don't forget all that stuff. Embrace it and weave it into the fabric of your life. And and but God has you destined for glory, right? Absolutely, awesome. So much more to talk about. We still have more to talk about with Jimmy Mitchell here. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home we got a great uh, website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Many non-Catholics who visit a Catholic church to attend a funeral or wedding are curious about some of the gestures made by the faithful during worship, including crossing themselves and genuflecting. One of the distinctive marks of the Catholic and Orthodox Christians is the practice of making the sign of the cross. This gesture, which often begins and ends prayers, is made by tracing a cross on the body by touching the forehead, lower chest, and both shoulders, while saying, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thus, each Catholic prayer begins and ends by invoking the Most Blessed Trinity, and reminds the faithful that they are indelibly marked with the cross of the crucified Christ. This sign also makes each spoken prayer liturgical, in that the whole body is used in the act of worship. Making the sign of the cross is one of the most ancient Christian gestures, which is well known and referenced by early church fathers. Writing in the second century, Tertullian explains that in all our travels and movements, in bathing, working, and eating, Christians must mark their foreheads with the sign of the cross. Another early church father, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, exhorts the faithful that they should not be ashamed of Christ crucified, and the cross should be our seal, made with our fingers on our brow in the various events of our day-to-day life. Genuflecting, or the act of kneeling on one or two knees and then rising again, is an ancient act showing respect and devotion to royalty or any superior and recognition of that person's authority. Since the Middle Ages, the faithful have genuflected in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament and recognition of the reality that hidden in the tabernacle under the guise of bread is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Customarily, Catholics genuflect both when entering the presence of the Blessed Sacrament and upon leaving its presence. In the Eastern Christian churches, usually this respect is shown by a profound bow rather than by kneeling. Both the sign of the cross and genuflection are liturgical acts of prayer and worship, reminding the faithful that they are indelibly marked with the sign of the cross 
and that the true King of the universe, deserving of worship, lies hidden in the tabernacle of every Catholic Church. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in Church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Tom and I are talking to Jimmy Mitchell. And Jimmy, you've got a, you've got a lot of little, I don't want to call them businesses, but you've got a lot of stuff going on. You're involved Serial in so Catholic. many different things. And we've been talking about the Glory Conference. And by the way, if you want to know more about the Glory Conference, mm-hmm. you just n- need to go to gloryconference.com and you can find out more about that whole process. But also linked to that is other stuff that you're doing that kind of looks at, we've been looking at this big picture, I guess, of, of our, our young folks, young adults, that sort of really trying time and where people are trying to really kind of figure things out. And then the, 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 what you're talking about, this, this gift of beauty, mm. um, and we talked about what kinds of beauty and what, you know, and then seeing God and experiencing God and that. And then the question is like, once you've gone like, okay, I'm in, mm. you know, I, I've got that sense of beauty. Um, I want to know what, what should I do next? And that's what, I guess we want to go that way because uh, I've got, in fact, there's one uh, young lady, you may not have met her yet, her name is Megan, and she came through my RCIA program two years ago. She got all excited, and she sponsored somebody last year. She bought another young adult person with her last year. She is all excited. So then she calls me this year, and I said, you got somebody else? She goes, no, I want to get involved and do something. I, I want to, And so she's here at this Glory Conference. That's awesome. Right? So hopefully she's seeing the beauty that's being offered, and she's seeing God through all that, uh, et cetera. But the question is, what do we... What do we do with these folks? Once they get fired up and they're ready to do something, what, what comes next? Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind right away, and the first two is not what anybody wants to hear. Uh, but I'd say prayer, penance, and discipleship. Mm. So if we're serious, if we've been evangelized, if we have fallen in love with Jesus, the only way we can cultivate that and stay in love with him is through prayer. Right. I read a book years ago. It's been sort of haunting me ever since. It's called The Soul of the Apostolate. And the whole point of this book is that you cannot win a soul for the Lord except when you're on your knees. Mm-hmm. And that, yes, you could be an eloquent preacher. Yes, you could uh, have a, a brilliant personality. But ultimately, everything comes back to contemplation, to your willingness uh, to give uh, key moments of your day to the Lord so that it becomes very clear at the end of the day, Jesus is the one saving souls, not you. Uh, you should know that uh, if, if nobody else knows it, you have to be the one. Otherwise, the Lord can't work through you. Um, so penance, and, and also, it, it also it all comes about you. Exactly. I exactly. mean, essentially, it's like, hey, I did this. I won these. I had this. And you might have yeah. some success stories, but yeah. there's a lot more failures that you don't even know about. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I did a five-day silent retreat back in May with the chief exorcist of the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. So this is an intense <laughs> dude. When he was younger, his spiritual director was Padre Pio, whose wow. feast day we celebrated just yes. you know, a little bit ago. and. One, one of the times I went in there for the hour-long spiritual direction before I began my silence each day, he said, Jimmy, he begins putting his stole around his neck. I'm thinking, oh, what's about to happen? And he says, I'm pretty sure from what I'm hearing and what the Lord is speaking to you in prayer during this retreat that, that you've got a serious sin that you've never confessed. Of course, I'm kind of shaking in my boots over here. And he says, it's the sin of self-reliance. You've actually convinced yourself that somehow... This whole thing is up to you. Yeah. That salvation history somehow hinges on you. 
and in that moment, I just dropped to my knees, and I could see clearly all the moments in my life where it had become about me and not the Lord, and I thought it was uh, somehow uh, my glory rather than his that was, in fact, inspiring what I was doing. And, it's, of course, it's such a dangerous, slippery slope. So if we have a life of prayer, if we have a life of penance, if we're denying ourselves, even the little preferences and desires that we have throughout the day, it just helps us remember that God is God and we are not. And I, as a man especially, need to be reminded of that constantly. Oh, yeah. um, constantly. Uh, that's just that's so powerful. And uh, and it, it happened without his like eyes rolling back in his head, speaking in Latin, <laughs> yeah. and like all the stuff flying around the room, yeah. too. Yeah. But, but, but God uses those moments to, to, to change us, right? Yes. I've, he, never, I've never been on a retreat with like the chief exorcist of the diocese, so what a, what a powerful moment. It was intense. That. It was intense. So, all right, so prayer, it's not, it's not about you. It's, it's that conversation, the communion with mm. God, with, with just being with him in his presence. And I also tell the guys I talk to, like, to be vulnerable. Absolutely. So don't pray at God. Let the prayer change you, mm. right? To be open to where he's going to lead you. That, yeah. And that's a key part of that sort of genuineness of prayer is not saying, well, God, here's what I think. Here's what mm. I, he wants to know what you think, yeah. but he kind of already does. That's right. But we need to know that's what right. he thinks. But anyway, all that aside, that leads us where, so all that prayer is great, but if there's no, uh, if there's no sacrifice, if there's no gift of yourself, right? Right. Uh, and if there's no sense that you, that you're not the one, if there's no sense of like penance, Right. Right. That takes us to this penance part that you said that leads to discipleship. And that really is what weeds out all of the vices in our own lives and actually begins to stir us to a real desire to help Jesus in his salvation of other souls. So let me just give you a real concrete example of this. Back in August, I was in Ireland and I spent three days at Loch Derg. Can't imagine you've heard yeah. of this place. Have no. you? Okay. No. It's the, consider it the. Iron Man of Catholic pilgrimages in the church. Ooh. And so it's three days without food, uh, except for one meal of dry toast and coffee. Uh, it's uh, You don't sleep the first night that you're there. You pray somewhere north of 1,100 Hail Marys, 900 Our Fathers, 400 Apostles' Creeds over the course of these three days. They call it St. Patrick's Purgatory. And so all I can say is that from the first moment I was there, I thought, this is absurd. Like, what am I doing? I'd much rather be in five days of contemplative prayer and silence than three days of monotonous prayer. We didn't wear shoes. Yeah, you want to be with the, you want to be with the Benedictines or yeah, whatever. Torture. Exactly. Like they have like three full buffets. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, so we're not, we're not needing, but they have something called Lochterg soup. Which is hot boiling water with salt and pepper. Mm. That's what you're eating, aside from this dry toast. So, anyways, mm. pretty quickly you realize this entire experience is, is a rejection of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's and it's it's hardcore. And everybody around you is, by the way, two and three times your age, and likely a female, because that's what Ireland is full of: is, is yeah. saintly women who are literally keeping the world from falling off its axis with their prayers yeah, and take their penance. Yeah, take note, man. We're dropping the ball. I know, I know. Yeah, the gauntlet. It's, it's right there. And so by the end of this, we could not explain, the four of us that did it together, the joy that we felt. And a big part of it for me was once I was past this, this point of wanting to do reparation for my own sins, it was such a joy to do it on behalf of others. Mm. So we talk about discipleship. It begins with our prayers particularly for others, it begins with their penance on their behalf, our willingness to sacrifice for love yeah. of others and their souls. Uh, and then the discipleship is simple. It's just loving people well, and it's journeying through life with them. And that means being joyful with them. It means suffering with them. It means uh, coming alongside them in the same way that Christ did the 12 and in the particular way that he did with the three. Yeah. Um, and there's an intimacy to that. There's a vulnerability, as you said, to that. There's an intentionality to that. 
that I think the world is hungering for. You know, C.S. Lewis says that most people don't long for true friendship because they've never tasted it. Mm-hmm. And true friendship is discipleship. And once it's, you get it, mm-hmm. you don't ever want to reject it. That's right. And you never settle for anything less than it yeah. anymore. You know? It's amazing. Yeah, and it makes, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful to see, again, we talked about your smile when you came in and began, but it's beautiful to see when you can look into somebody's face and go, all right, so I want some of that. That's Whatever exactly that right. is, That's exactly I right. want some of that. And it's, right. a, it's infectious mm. because, we're, again, we're built in his image and likeness. We're created in that way. And so we, lo- we, we, come, we, we gravitate to that. Mm. I mean, it's written on our hearts. And so that's why we, we're always seeking peace, right? We want to be with somebody else. And I love the fact that you, um, that you were talking about, you know, of course, the prayer, the penance, and discipleship. And, of course, I mean, my mind, <clears throat> excuse me, goes immediately to Jesus in the desert. You know, how did he start his ministry? You know, in prayer and fasting, right. 40 days. Right. Now, probably a little tougher than the whole uh, yeah, a little bit tougher. thing in Ireland. <laughs> but, but still, uh, that, that's what gave strength. I mean, it was... It was Emptying yourself, it goes against everything that your mom told you. Eat a good breakfast because you have a big test today or, or you've got a track meet or whatever. Mm-hmm. You better be all ready for that. And here's how we build our strength. And the reality is if we want to do discipleship, if we want to actually evangelize and, and, and be part of the changing of the culture, it's like we've we got to actually empty ourselves. That's right. That's Get rid right. of it all. Purge ourselves of all that stuff or allow that to be purged, hence purgatory. Mm-hmm. But then essentially then to take on... The, the, the mantle of the Lord to have that, that, that power, that authority, that strength. Mm. Not that you suddenly lord over people, but that he is lord. Right. Not only of your life, but all the people that, that you reach out to. And so for young folks, this is a, it's a positive. It's something that it's like, hey, I can sink my teeth into this. That's right. Is that the experience you get? It's concrete. It's radical. You know, radical means to the heart or to the core. You look at the, the most powerful cultural renewals over the course of 2,000 years of Christian history – it almost always took place in and around monastic communities and monastic renewals. So uh, in today's world, what does it look like to bring the heart of the monastery into the heart of the city or into the heart of the world? It's prayer, penance, and discipleship. And you know, if I could say that there's you know, organizations out there doing this well, the answer is, of course, yes. But each of us in our own lives have to take this call, this cost, and this privilege of discipleship seriously. Jimmy P. Mitchell. Dot com. You want to get in touch with him, see what he's all about. You want to he find out Patrick, more. By the way. Yeah, that's a good name. It Jimmy P. Mitchell.com. Uh, such an awesome time, Jimmy. For uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you, Deacon Jim. You know what? We're going uh, to look to our blessed mother. She's going to kind of put her mantle of love around us. She loves her kids. We're her kids. Let's ask for her in a session. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association 
and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.